You're listening to The Desperation Podcast. Tune in this week for the first week of our series, You Asked For It, with Pastor David Martin. The series is called You Asked For It, and the reason why is because our team... We were talking about questions that we've had growing up and questions that we even have now. And as we begin to like think through, man, man, we got this weird question. Questions that make you go, hmm. Anybody have questions that make you go, hmm. Anybody? Like late at night, have you ever had those moments where you're laying in bed and you're right about to fall asleep and all of a sudden one of those questions will pop into your head? And then you're up to like four in the morning trying to ponder these things? Like questions like... Are eyebrows actually classified as facial hair? Right? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Do vegetarians eat animal crackers? These very, very serious, serious questions. For my science nerds in here, maybe it's a question is, if you're already driving at the speed of light and you decide to turn on your headlights, what happens? Can anybody answer that? That's not rhetorical. I would love to know the answer to that. Questions. Everybody say questions. All of us have questions, but the thing is, it doesn't stop there. The truth is, is that a lot of us, I think more questions are in the column of God, Bible, faith, Jesus, that sometimes we're afraid to ask because we don't, A, don't want to be judged. We're we're like, man, I should know the answer to this question already. Why? Well, I can't ask anybody. Or maybe it's just stuff, i got to be honest with you guys, I'm very analytical. And so sometimes I'll be reading the Bible And I go, Lord, I really want to believe this, but I do not understand how this part works. Has anybody read the Bible before and read a passage and you're like, God, if I'm being honest, I'm just not understanding. This almost in some way seems to contradict other parts that I read. Anybody ever been there? See, You see what I'm talking about? But rarely do you ever hear a pastor or anybody within church say, Sometimes when I read the scripture, I don't know how A connects to B at all. As a matter of fact, it doesn't seem like they are even compatible. Like really quickly, I'm reading, I'm reading in Samuel a couple weeks ago. And uh, the story of King David and, and Saul, the original king, he, uh, he's wanting to kill the, the heir apparent, King David. And he's wanting to kill, Saul is wanting to kill him. So Saul realizes that God is on David's side and that Saul, because he's disobeyed God and he's prideful and he's a weak leader, he's out. So he, now check this out. There's this prophet named uh, Samuel, okay, and prophet, this prophet is now dead. Makes sense in a second. So I'm reading this. So check this out. The prophet is dead. Saul says, I got to figure out what is happening here and if God is going to still be on my side. So guess what he does? He goes to a witch. This is in the Bible. Saul goes to this witch, the witch of Endor, and he says, I, my prophets won't speak to me. No one can tell me if God is still on my side and am I going to win this war. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to conjure up the prophet Samuel and have him tell me what's going on. Has anybody ever heard this story before? Yeah. Very few of us have ever heard this preached in the, because we don't know what to make of it, including me. Things that make you go whom? So she, this witch, a bad person, she's on the devil's side of things. She is, she, in the scripture it says she summons up the spirit of Samuel who was dead, who is supposed to be in heaven, and he shows back up. And in the scripture it says that he's a ghost, and he's got a long beard, he's got a robe on. And Saul realizes that this is, he's like, Samuel, you got to tell me, am I going to... 
And Saul, I mean Samuel, the prophet who is dead, this ghost is like, here's the deal. You sinned against God. You're basically going to be dead within 24 hours and so is your whole family. Peace. The ghost goes, real-time response. What do you do with that? I thought once you're dead, you're in heaven. You can't come back. There's no such thing as ghosts. Things that make you go, hmm. You see, I struggle with those things. I think sometimes we're intellectually dishonest. Because we'll read those passages and go, well, I don't know. It just God's got it all figured out. And I'm not supposed to ask these kind of questions. I'm just going to go back to John 3.16 and just play it safe. No, I think God made your brain to think. And sometimes there's some questions that we, have an we need answers for because they've been messing us up. Does that make sense? So we decided... We're just going to put this whole series in your hands. And so if you've got a question you want answered, DM us, message us whatever way and say, okay, what about this? Well, some of you put in a variation of this one question. So this question is kind of like a hybrid of several that were asking kind of the same thing. So welcome to week one for you asked for it. And here's the question that some of you have been asking and it's this. You ready? Dave, will Jesus forgive Every sin, even the really big ones. How many of y'all think that's a pretty good question? Let me see a show of hands. You see, here's the thing. Some of you didn't raise your hand because you feel that that's a very simple question. And that's fine. Totally fine. Because for those of us who've been raised in church, maybe, we know the church answer, don't we? Because we will go, oh, yes, Totally. Jesus totally does forgive every son, spelt S-O-N, every son. But let me ask you a question for those of you who are going, this is the big question that people want to know. Read your Bible, you would know the answer. Some of y'all are thinking that. But for those who are thinking this, here's my question for you. If that's true, God truly does forgive every single sin, big ones too, why do you still feel guilty about certain things you've already asked forgiveness for then? See, we know it. Gentlemen on the front row, I'm sorry, guys, you're kind of distracting me. Zone in, okay? So here's the thing. We know the answer, don't we? But most of the time, we don't believe it. We know that Jesus forgives all of our sins, but why is it day after day the enemy comes in and reminds us of those things that we've already asked forgiveness for that we can't let go? What, what, see, so I wonder if we actually believe it versus just simply know it. There's a lot of Christians who say they're forgiven. They still feel and act like they're not. So maybe if you go, yes, of course Jesus forgives us of all of our sins, then if you're still walking in bondage and shame and guilt and regret, maybe you know it, but you're not, there's something you need answered in your life. This is going to be a, such a simple sermon. Paul talked about how he came with like, he spoke simple, used simple words and spoke simple sermons. Tonight is a simple sermon and it's short, or it's supposed to be. We'll find out what happens. But here's the thing. While we may know the answer, too many of us have a hard time believing that Jesus truly does forgive our big sins. Like others though, because I was thinking about you last night as I was writing this sermon. I was like, but there's others in this room who go, man, listen, I've got big sins in my life, David. I know I'm a sinner. I can't even believe I'm in this room. My friend invited me. I would never come to a church like this because everybody tries to live like they're perfect. Dude, i got some stuff in my life. I would not make a good Christian. Some of you are thinking that, right? There's no way Jesus could possibly forgive the stuff that I've been doing. 
And that may be some in here. So where's the reality? Is it one or the other? Does Jesus forgive the small sins? Because that's, man, that's work enough of itself. Or can he truly forgive our big sins as well? Because guys, some of you will live your entire lives in regret to the season that you're in right now. You've been making some choices that aren't right. And, you're, and man, you're, you've developed a taste for certain sins that you never thought you would like, but now you're kind of into it. And if you don't take this simple little message of mine and understand what Jesus truly came to do for you and for me, you will be regretting the things that you're into right now 20 years from now. I'm telling you. They don't go away. It gets worse. So let's ask this question and really find out what the answer is. But let's talk about the word big. Everybody say big. You see, the reality, the truth is, is in order to, for me to answer this question for you guys, I really think in order to do that, we got to define what big means because big is a relative term. Because a, like a coffee cup, for example, it seems small to me. But if I sit it next to an ant, that ant thinks that's the biggest thing he's ever seen. Big is relative, right? Because big has to be compared to something. Like to us, the earth seems really big. But to the universe, the earth seems very small. So define big sins is my point. Because your big sin may look really small compared to my sin. You go, David, sometimes I say poo-poo when I'm really angry. And I'm like, really? That's your big sin? I'll show you a big sin. I got to, right? You see what I'm saying? You're like, David, we are about to confess something. No, I wasn't. Relax. So the word relative is a very important word as I try to honestly answer this question for you. The definition of relative is something considered in relation or proportion to something else. So something can only seem as big or seem big only when it's compared to something else. Does that make sense? Are you all with me, DSM? All right, check this out. When we think about big sins versus little sins, first off, I would say to you this. If you look in the Bible, show me where the Bible talks about small sins and big sins. You won't find it. There's nowhere you will see God goes, these are really big sins, and I've put them on two tablets called the Ten Commandments. But these over here, they're kind of small. They're annoying to me. They're like mosquito sins. It's like, ah, no, no, no. You won't see that anywhere. So let's go back to the question again. David, will Jesus forgive every sin, even the really big ones? If you and I were hanging out at Starbucks or Shots Coffee, and by the way, every Monday from 4 to 5.30, if you want to come and hang with me and drink coffee, you have to set an appointment, but shoot me a text, message me, say, Dave, I want to have coffee with you, and I will buy your coffee, and we will chill out and hang out, and I will listen to whatever you want to talk about, even if it's boring. I will act like I'm interested, okay? Uh, I'm just kidding. I, I really am intrigued, and I love you guys, and so I want to hang out with you. So if you want to hang out with me, let me know. But if we were sitting at Shots Coffee, we would be sitting in the alternative, blessed and highly favored chairs, right? We would be sitting there. Maybe you asked this question to me. So let's make it personal. And you asked me this question, Dave, big, big sins versus little sins. Can God forgive my big sins? Dave, I'm really struggling. And when I'm at Shots it's amazing some of the stuff that you will share with me because you love me and you trust me and I'm thankful and I pray for you. But some have shared with me what we would call pr pretty big sins. And so if we're sitting at Shots Coffee, I would play this little game and I'd like to play it with you right now. It's called Big Sin or Little Sin. Y'all ready? Y'all want to play a game? All right. 
Y'all are in summer mode, and I need you to get back into school mode because y'all are a boring crowd tonight. All right, here we go. <laughs> Big sin or little sin, here we are. First sin, you point and laugh at someone's shoes and yell, what are those? All right, so big sin or little sin? Big sin? Let me see a show of hands. L little sin? Little sin. Okay, fair enough. I agree. Okay, here we go. Next one. Your parent gives you a certain time to be home, but you knowingly choose to be 20 minutes late because you really want to hit Dutch Brothers on the way home. Big sin, little sin. Big sin, let me see a show of hands. Little sin. Ain't number thing. See, your parents would totally disagree with you. Big sin, little sin. Here we go. You tried to convince someone to text you in an inappropriate picture of themselves. Oh, it got quiet in here. Big sin, little sin. Big sin, let me see a show of hands. All right, we know the perverts in the room now. Okay, I'm just kidding. No, small sin, little sin, little sin, little sin, let me see. Okay, that's fine. That's <laughs> that was awesome, man. That was awesome. He, no, anyway, y'all look at me, you look at me. That was a joke between him and I. Don't you worry about it. Okay. Next one. Big sin, little sin. You actually sent an inappropriate picture of yourself to someone else. Big sin, little sin. Big sin, let me see a show of hands. Little sin. All right, that's cool. It depends. Inappropriate is always inappropriate. So it's kind of universal. I think you're putting too much thought into it. I think it's like normal stuff. Not, not someone's holding a gun to your head saying take it. Now, if that happens, call the police. I don't know what to tell you. All right. Big sin, little sin. Here we go. During finals this past school year, you cheated on a test. Big sin, little sin. Big sin. Little sin. All right. Got a bunch of cheaters in the house. Great. Uh, big sin, little sin. You robbed a bank. Big sin, little sin. Big sin, little sin. Robbing a bank. All right. Where's my wallet? Um, big sin, little sin. Here we go. You have 10 bucks in your pocket and you have the choice to give it in the offering, but you decide to keep it because you're hungry and you've got to go to Chick-fil-A. Big sin, little sin. Y'all are in denial. That's a big sin. Big sin, little sin. You straight up murder somebody. Big sin. Okay, most of you, little sin. All right, so that's good to know. We have some homicidal thieves in the house. Last one, big sin, little sin. Your sibling wants that last hot pocket in the freezer, but you push them down, you microwave it, you eat it right in front of them, and you laugh maniacally at them. Big sin, little sin. I'm with you on that one. I think it's survival of the fittest. But do you see what I mean? Do you see what I mean? Some of you shockingly raised your hand at the wrong time, but that just gives me job security because I realize I have so much work to do in your lives. <laughs> Big sin, little sin. Why do, who decides this stuff, though? I mean, someone has to make the final call on what is a big sin and what's a little sin. And beyond that, what would qualify a person to decide what sin actually is? Because if we don't answer that question, you know who the judge and the jury is? It's you. And it's me. And we put ourselves in a place of judgment and we look at someone's life and the only way we can tell if they're having big sins or little sins is we can compare them to us. This is why you can have someone that goes to church and they're a big fat gossip. And they're spreading poison. And they're hateful and bitter people. But they look like they got it all together. And, but... They go, but I'm not like that person. You see what I'm saying? And they go, well, listen, 
that person's sleeping with their boyfriend or girlfriend. I'm not perfect, but I'm not like them. Do you see what happens here? It becomes a very gross situation. And bottom line, whether you want to believe it or not, you become the judge. And we decide what's big or small compared to what we see being done in other people's lives. So that can't work. That's not a good system. I would say personally, the person that would be qualified to decide what is big and small and what sin is at all would have to be someone who's actually never sinned. Because they don't have any investment in sin. They're not connected to it. They could be objective. Most people will do one of two things when it comes to sin. Either they will see sin as really small and no big deal and insignificant, or they will assign more power to sin than actually what it should have. And so they go, that is so massive, or eh, no big deal. You see what I'm saying? We, we're not good judges of what sin is and what sin isn't. As sinners, we really don't have the right to decide what sin is because we're already invested in it. So here's the truth. The reality, as we sat at Shots Coffee and you asked me this question, I would say, listen, stop talking in terms of big and small. Sin is sin. It's equal. It's equally offensive to God and possesses the same final outcome and consequence. Doesn't matter. Murder, white lie, equal. Both acts of injustice. So if we sat there and you're drinking your coffee... This is what I would tell you. I would tell you that I've learned that the only one qualified to determine what sin is would be Jesus. And the reason why is because he's a righteous judge and he's fair and he's sinless. Here's why he's qualified. Because Hebrews 4.15 says Jesus who, is, who has been tempted in all things as we are. So it's not like he's above temptation. Before sin, temptation has to come in first. You've got to be sold on the idea that doing this thing that's bad is good. Jesus was also tempted just like we were. Many of us don't know that, but that's true. Yet he was without, what does it say? Sin. He didn't have any sin. So Jesus understands what it means to be tempted, but he also never sinned. And beyond that, he actually came to address the fact that we sin, though. And take them out of our lives so that we no longer have to ask over and over and over and over, God, can you forgive even this big, big one? We don't have to live like that anymore. He called us to freedom. Walk in truth. You see, 1 John 3, 5 says, you know that Jesus appeared in order to do something. In order to take away sins. Did you notice it doesn't say just to take away the tiny ones? No, he came to take away sins. So whatever big sins you've got in your life, Jesus says, I've got the shoulders. I can carry this. I, I, I want to take that off of your back. You don't have to worry about big sins chasing you down anymore. I want to take them all, the big ones and the small ones in your estimation. And in him there is no sin. So notice a couple of things. Jesus takes them all away. Why does this matter? Say why, Dave. The reason why is because all sins, whether we classify them as small or big, all lead to one place. Death. All of them. Just a small little judgment here. You're like, girl, that sh those shoes don't match that purse. I bet she should get dressed in the dark. Judging. And you murder 20 people. Equally leading to the same destination, which is death. You see, when Adam and Eve, gentlemen, they're there hanging out in the garden. And this is before they did anything wrong, right? So they're hanging out. 
God gives him this rule, says don't eat from this tree. The reason why is because I want you to understand that I've given you everything else over here. One tree, don't eat fr this fruit. Well, we know the story. Adam and Eve, they chose to eat the fruit. Now, if we were playing big sin, little sin, and I said, oh, well, hey, guys, let me ask you a question. God says don't eat apples and you eat an apple. Is that a big sin or a little sin? We would all say little sin. Eating fruit actually sounds like it's supposed to be good for you. Right? We would come, that's not, I mean, compared to the stuff else, people are getting beheaded by ISIS. I would say eating an apple isn't that big of a deal. But sure enough, even what would seem like a small sin, this is where death was introduced into mankind. And every single human being will die as a result of this little sin. It's just fruit. It's a piece of fruit. Relax. It's a big deal. Because all sin is destructive and leads to death. You ever think about that? Every sin is big. I'll take, you'll have questions in one second to be able to ask in your groups. You see, 1 John 1 says this as I wrap this up. If we boast that we have no sin. So what I see in church sometimes is people actually believing that they no longer sin. And then there's those that come to church who don't know Jesus and they don't think they have sin in their lives either. They're like, I'm good, bro. You're the one who's messed up. But if we brag that we don't have sin, we're only fooling ourselves and our strangers to the truth. But if we freely admit our sins, big and small, when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us uh, every time. God is just to forgive us of our sins because of Christ. And he will continue to cleanse us from some of our unrighteousness. Hey, it's better than nothing. Is that what it says? It's a three-letter word, right? It cleanses us from, do you realize, guys... That if you ask Jesus to forgive you, he will forgive those big sins as well. Romans goes on to say, though, when Adam sinned, guess what happened? The entire world was affected. Sin entered the human experience, and death was the result. That's what I'm basing this on. So death followed this sin, and it cast its shadow over all humanity because all of us have in here have sinned. Death once held us in its grip by the blunder of one man, and death reigned as a king over humanity. So, that doesn't sound encouraging. It wouldn't be if you didn't keep reading. Check this out. But now, everybody say, but now. How much more are we held in the grip of grace? And continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, Messiah. Guys, that's way better news than how you're responding, man. Because listen, that's it. That's it. You see, okay, let me try this one on. Father, I hope that they like this one because this one's amazing too. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world. So here's the truth. You go, David, this does, I like it, but it doesn't seem quite fair. Because what you're really saying is that I'm not, a I'm not perfect, but I've messed up some. You mean to tell me that before I ask God to forgive me, Jesus to forgive me, he sees me in the same light as Osama bin Laden and Hitler? You mean that I am in the same class as these people? Yeah, the reason why is because there's no big and small sins. It's all equal in God's eyes. This is why Jesus coming to do what I just explained to you is such a big deal. It's a big deal. So you ask for it. 